Welcome to the Million Praying Moms podcast. I'm your host, Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and prayer who is passionate about helping women like you make prayer their first and best response to the challenges of motherhood. A small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia, I've made prayer my game plan for all of life. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. If you wonder how you'll equip your children for this world and all it throws at them, if you have questions about prayer and don't know where to turn for answers, if you need help knowing how to pray through specific issues or seasons, you are in the right place. Prayer really is the most important but most overlooked part of Christian parenting today. Let's change that starting right now and impact generations to come. Hey there, friends. I really hope you've enjoyed this special podcast season called Real Moms, Real Challenges, Real Prayer, and that you've heard your own story reflected in one of those shared. Maybe you've heard a piece of your story in all of them. If you didn't catch Michelle Myers last week, I want to urge you to go back and listen to it. Michelle always brings the word, and this was no exception. In case you're tuning in for the first time, the stories you're hearing in this season were hosted first in a series on the Million Praying Moms Instagram called Praying Mom Live. They're meant to be really real, and I've picked six of them to share with you in this season. This is interview number five in that series. And if you like them, I would invite you to go over to the Million Praying Moms Instagram and listen to them all. In today's episode, I'm chatting with my friend, Hannah Anderson. I met Hannah probably 10 years ago now through a mutual friend in ministry, and we ended up being in a writing critique group together as we were working to get our first books published. I loved Hannah's clear Appalachian roots and the way she used words to express the beauty found in this region of the world. She has a cadence and a rhythm to her words that just draws you in, and I've so enjoyed our friendship over the years. Hannah lives in the Blue Ridge Mountains of Virginia, just a little over an hour from me, where she spends her days writing and reading and caring for her family. The author of multiple books, including her latest, Turning of Days, Lessons from Nature, Seasons, and Spirit, Hannah also co-hosts Persuasion Podcast, where she hopes to spur good conversation about all that's good, true, and beautiful. You can connect with her at her blog and on Twitter at Sometimes a Light. In this episode, where I'm joined by Hannah and Erin Mooring, Hannah connects us with long-standing church practices, how living as a homesteader growing up connected her with prayer, and she offers thoroughly practical prayer tips, perfect for the times you don't feel like praying or just don't know what to pray. Tune in now as we get real. We are so glad to have you, Hannah Anderson. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are and and um, what you put your hands to in case we don't, in case there's people listening that don't know you, we'd love to introduce you. Right. I am so happy to be with you both today. Um, I am Hannah and I live not too far from where Brooke is. Yeah. Um, I live in Southwest Virginia, um, outside of Roanoke. Um, we're in the mountains. My husband grew up in this area and we moved back probably about uh, nine to 10 years ago. Um, and so we spend a lot of our time just living life like everyone does. We have three kids. They used to be little, um, <laughs> but every day they get older. And so I can't introduce myself as a mom of young kids anymore because they are just 
Um, I have a 17 year old daughter uh, named Phoebe. Uh, Harry is 15 and Peter is 12. So we're right in the thick of that teen years with all the joys and all the angst of that. And um, so family, of course, takes up a lot of my time, but I'm also an author. Um, I write for, I've written for Moody Publishers a lot. Um, I've had a couple books. I think folks might um, have encountered Humble Roots, which is about kind of rooted where we are here in Southwest Virginia in the mountains, about pursuing humility and how that connects us um, to who God has made us to be and kind of grounds us uh, to the earth. And more recently, um, I had a book release called Turning of Days, which is kind of a journey through the seasons um, and just giving our eyes to what nature is teaching us about God. And um, so that's what I kind of keep busy doing. Um, but as love everyone else, it's just a mishmash of everything right now and trying to raise kids and keep our head above water. Yeah, I feel you. I was trying to remember when you and I first connected, Hannah, I love, um, you know, I love chatting with and connecting with other, um, other writers from our area. Cause I, I feel like there's such richness, um, not Aaron to leave you out. There is richness in other parts of the country, but <laughs> when you get two girls from Appalachia together, we have to talk about that just for a second, that there is so much richness here and so much good here in an, in a part of the world that I feel like often gets overlooked and um, made fun of sometimes, you know, like we have a reputation, uh, an unjust reputation, I believe in some ways for, um, you know, not being educated or, or this, that, and the other, but there is so much good, so many amazing people with so many great stories to tell of God's faithfulness and how he has proven himself to them over and over in this area. So I love talking to you and I can see in our comments that we actually have some other uh, women with us today who are from surrounding areas um, with Bill Galax. Uh, we're, we're in Giles County. So we're like, you know, kind of down in the maybe maybe deeper southwestern part than you are but um it's just such a privilege to be able to share these kind of conversations with other women that have you know made their home in this part of the world so thanks for being with us today i wanted to talk to you because i feel like um just in the in the conversations well i tell you what let me let me back up just a second i think i i didn't answer my own question i was trying to figure out when we first met or when we first, you know, got to know each other. And I think it was, it was, it was in the writer's critique group, wasn't it? It was. It was. So this was 10 years ago. It was maybe. a while. <laughs> um, one of the wonderful things about this region is there is a writing culture and there was, I think maybe a conference, mm -hmm. a writing conference I had been at and I got connected with some other local writers and we formed a little group just, and this was before I had anything mm -hmm. published. I remember um, just asking basic questions like, when do I turn my manuscript in? What do we do for covers? You know, just things that you learn over the years. And that kind of shared wisdom of people who had gone before had um, some experience. It, it was just invaluable to me. Um, and it, it's an amazing, like you said, Brooke, there's there's a culture of storytelling, there's a culture of faith, and there's a culture of family um, in these spaces. And I think it just kind of all comes together in a really unique way. Yeah, absolutely. That time was very, uh, 
valuable for me as well, because I remember um, I was working on my first book. I had gotten, Mm -hmm. uh, I knew that an offer was coming for Praying for Boys and um, I didn't have an agent yet. And so I went to our mutual friend, Gina, who had also spoken Mm -hmm. at that conference and she used to run a website called Novel Rocket. And so she had had just these uh, two, two or three debut novels that had done amazing. And, and, um, and I'm trying to think of the name of them right now. If I can remember, I'll come back and say it. But I had gone to her and I said, Gina, I know I've got this uh, proposal or this, this offer coming in. And I don't have an agent. I don't know what to do with it. And I said, would you read over this contract that they send me, this offer? And would you tell me if there's like any glaring red flags or anything? Like, I'm not asking you to be a lawyer. I'm just asking you to look at it and see if there's anything that you're like, no, 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 that's not good. And she answered me and said, no, I will not do that for you. (laughs) But she said, I will introduce you to my agent. And so that's how I got my agent and so it really like, and I've had him ever since. So that, that time that we had together was super special and, and very important for me as well. So, okay. So let's jump into our conversation today. The, the thing that we want to, uh, to talk about today is your prayer life. And you and I have talked about that in like little spurts and jerks when we've met at conferences or whatever. And so the, the point of this series has been, um, maybe you guys have seen, maybe Hannah, you've seen on Instagram, there's a very popular thing happening where people are talking about how something started versus how it's going now. And so that's really what we want to do here today. I would love it if you would tell us the story of your prayer life, maybe how it started and what God is doing inside of your prayer life now. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I, I grew up in a Christian home. And I think one of the things that was so remarkable about that is I really don't have a lot of memories before prayer was present in my life, Um, whether it was family prayer at dinner, whether it was prayer within our church life. So I was raised in Wednesday night prayer meeting and I'm old enough that we and I lived in a rural enough place that we had mimeographed prayer lists that we print it off every time we gathered. And so I I think there were some really formative things about just the assumption that prayer is part of your life. It wasn't something that I had to be convinced that this is a good thing. You should do it. It was, this is what we do. This is part and parcel of the Christian's walk. And so it was modeled for me really young. Um, It was modeled on a consistent basis of, um, you know, weekly Prayer meetings are very structured. Here's our list. Here's who we're praying for. This is um, how we're coming to God with our needs and that kind of dependence. But there was a particular memory, and I write about this. Um, there was a particular memory of prayer when I was growing up that kind of maybe encapsulates and kinds of sets of direction for how I perceive my own prayer life and, and moving into that space. And my dad, um, we had, I grew up on a homestead, you know, small hobby farm. We, it was family land. We were very close, um, to the earth, grew large, large scale garden. And the thing you learn very quickly when you are gardening is what's outside of your control. There is so much that you can't do. You can put the seeds in the ground, you can fertilize them, you can plant everything, you can be on time. But you can't control the elements and you can't control 
ultimately what your garden produces or how it produces. And so one of the things that I remember almost ever, every summer happening is the rain would dry up. We would have periods of drought. Um, it wasn't extreme like it is in some parts of the country, but you can't grow beans and corn and tomatoes without consistent water. And we didn't have an irrigation um, structure set up. So we were really reliant on, on rain. And I remember my dad from like when I was just young, every summer it would get to the part of the summer and he would say, we need to pray for rain. We need to pray that God would bring the weather that we need for these crops. And so my understanding of prayer from a very early age was one of utter dependence that there was that there were so many things outside of our control, but they weren't outside of God's control. And so I think that combination of regular practice and a helplessness um, that says God is the only one who can intervene here. You can do all these things right. You can put your seed in the ground. You can research. You can work hard. But at the end of the day, uh, you can't bring the rain. And I think that kind of experience of prayer and that modeling within um, my dad's life and within my family's life really set me up within adulthood to approach prayer that way. Um, and, and I would say, you know, the struggles that I have come up against in my prayer life um, as an adult inversely have been linked to, well, I've got this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't worry about things like yep. I, I can handle this one so I don't have to take it to God. Um, and I think it's that process of hum- being humbled and recognizing how much we don't have. Um, that has been probably the largest lesson that I have learned as an adult is that if I understood prayer to be dependence, then when I'm not praying, I can usually trace it back to you think you've got this. Like you're operating right now. It's larger than I didn't have my prayer time today or I, I didn't check it off my list. Usually when I find that I'm, neglecting prayer it's because a larger thing is happening in my life and it's that i i'm working in my own strength that i've gotten into kind of a frenetic busyness or i'm just trying to double down and get things accomplished and dependence is at the root of that instead of that kind of committed daily showing up and saying i entrust today you. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, when you're talking about your like routines growing up, I'm like, oh man, you are all set up to fully depend on God instead of falling in the trap that I was. Like if you just work hard enough, everything will work. And then you said what you did, because I think all of us, no matter what our background is, get to a point as adults where we think, well, I have to handle this. I, you know, I've got this. And that's, that's a trap we all fall into no matter whether we were modeled dependence on God like you were or not because of our sinful nature to think Mm -hmm. I can handle this and I can be in control and I don't need God's help on this. So, cause I was like, Oh man, that must've been nice to go into adulthood (laughs) depending on God like that. Cause I wasn't, I was, and I still struggle with that thinking, like you said, Mm -hmm. thinking I need to handle this stuff and not taking it first to God instead struggling my way through trying to handle it and then taking it to him. Well, and I think that's one of the messages that our culture gives us about adulthood, that adulthood is competency. 
Mm-hmm. That adulthood is having it all together and that you can handle it. And we have proven ourselves to be adults by what we can get done and handle. And what's fascinating about that is in the Gospels, Jesus talks about becoming as a little child. And I remember as a child, my prayer life was more dependent. There was a simplicity and a faith and an understanding um, that I couldn't do it because I was a child and I was weak and small and dependent. And so so often within adulthood, I think what I'm fighting is to get back to that childlike dependence and to kind of push back cultural lives that say being an adult means doing it on your own. Yeah, that is so great, Hannah. We we have a garden um, here, and I'm I'm sure that it's not as big as what you all had when you were growing up, but it is actually still pretty big um, for our neighborhood. We we live right. We live on three acres right in the middle of a neighborhood, and um, and my father-in-law for the last five years has kept a garden on our property, and uh, it is it is something that he lives and breathes. He's the mastermind of it. My husband does the grunt work, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. as he as his father has gotten older, he has done the grunt work. But uh, but my father-in-law is the mastermind of it. He's the one that loves the earth. He's the one that knows. Uh, how to make it produce and when to do what and, you know, all those things and, and such for us, for my kids, even though they haven't, they haven't been as involved in it as maybe I would like for them to be, but they have been involved at some level. And it's been great for them to see um, just those, those lessons that that kind of har- the, the harvest lessons, you know, that, uh, that we're given, but it's really interesting. I don't remember. Um, I don't remember growing up. My, my experience of childhood was not one where I remember being dependent on God. I remember being dependent on my parents for, for whatever. But as a family, we didn't have those moments where we said, we need to pray for rain. We need to pray for this. And I think that was a real gift to you to be able to, to, be able to see need in your life. Just this morning, I was reflecting on how if we can't see our great need for God, and, and I don't mean, when I say this, I don't necessarily mean our great need for salvation, um, because we know we need Jesus for salvation. I'm talking about our great need for the intervention of God in the everyday moments of our lives. If we don't see that, if we don't understand just how much we actually need and actually how desperate we are for him beyond the we have to have rain or nothing's going to happen moments in our lives, then I don't think we're ever going to have a vibrant prayer life. There is something inextricably tied between those two things. Like we can't we can't have a vibrant prayer life if we don't recognize how much we need God on the daily. And um, and that's just been a, a profound thing. I wonder if you could talk to us about how that has translated into your parenting a little bit. Well, one of the things that I try to do is to make those connections for our kids. So it, it, it's something they see modeled. You have to be living it. So they're going to do what you do. They're going to pick it up. But I think there's also this um, work of connecting the dots for them in very explicit ways to say to them, you see that thing that happened, that was God's provision for us. You see, we prayed for that. And now this has happened and we know God 
is leading us and taking care of us. And and that was especially the case um, a few years ago. Um, well, I guess it's been right before COVID. Um, my husband actually transitioned out of a position he was in. And we had a period of unemployment and just, you know, really uncertain times. And I remember with the kids, we just, we prayed, um, you know, generally, like, take care of us, help us to navigate this time, help dad to get a job and all that. But during that period, when things would happen, like like things like our refrigerator broke, but we found one at Lowe's, like cut rate, that sort of thing, saying to them, this is God's provision for us to see this thing in real life. We are praying, we are depending on him. Here is the way that he has answered that prayer very specifically. So I'm not afraid of drawing really direct connections. Like I don't want to speak for God or be the Holy Spirit, but I do want my kids to develop an awareness of God's presence in their everyday and say, this leads to this. This is how he is working on our behalf. Yeah. And if we don't see, if our kids don't have needs or if they can't Mm -hmm. see the need, then it follows that they can't necessarily see the hand of God in providing for that need. And I was thinking as you were talking about our tendency as parents to kind of want to hide the difficulties that we're in from our family, you know, like when, when you guys were going through that time when your husband was unemployed, I'm sure there were, there were parts of that that you didn't tell them. There were stressors of that that were reserved for, you know, your marriage relationship. And that's probably the way it should be because we want to protect our kids But at the same time, allowing them into it in some kind of age appropriate way and and maturity appropriate way allows them to see the hand of God in our family's lives. And it gives us gives them that tangible experience of God's active presence in their lives. Um, So that's that's really just um, an amazing story. I love I just love that. So. I was just going to say, I can already see in my own kids that tendency to think they are handling things themselves. And so something we've been trying to do recently is ask them, you know, daily if we can, but, you know, several times a week, how can I pray for you? Just so they're thinking, like, is there anything in my life that I'm not, I'm trying to handle that I'm not, and I'm going to tell you right now they're having a hard time telling me what they need prayer for because they're still in that mindset of, I, I got this. Like, why, why would I need God to help me with that? But I'm thinking we're just training them. Mm-hmm. Like at some point they're going to have something and it's going to be like, oh yeah, like that I could test mom to pray or dad to pray for that. But if we're not trained to think that he could help us in all things, then we're not going to ask him to help us in all yeah. things. So I, I feel like that's a gift we can give our kids to ask them and ask them to examine daily what could they need prayer for, because then they're more likely to lay it down. Yeah, that's beautiful. We had a we were at a baseball tournament this past weekend, and my yet it was my younger son that was playing. My older son didn't have one, and so he was just with us watching and cheering for his his younger brother. And 
we're in this weird season of fall where we're still playing baseball, but we're also playing football because travel baseball doesn't really stop. Like it just kind of keeps going and going and has up seasons and down seasons. But so the week prior to this last week, my younger son had been in his first game of the season, his first football game of the season and had taken a couple of really hard hits. And so his back was, was really sore. It was sore to the point that we actually considered not putting him in the tournament at all that weekend but his team has several injured players on it. And I, and if he hadn't played, I'm, I'm not sure they would have been able to play at all. They really needed him. And so we had given, uh, we had given the coach instructions. Could you please hide him on the field somewhere? Like, could you, you know, like, can he, he's not pitching this weekend. Like we just need to, you know, we need to protect him as much as we can. And, and uh, there was a moment when he was playing shortstop, which was not hiding him. <laughs> wish that he wish that he had been in a different position that was not hiding him well. That's his regular position, and it's the one that he loves. But but he was there at shortstop, and there was a ball that was hit that was really one of those in betweeners where the the center fielder could have run in and got it, or the shortstop could have really you know run back and got it. And and my younger son called it and said he was going to go get it, and he did, and he ended up having to jump back. And he landed on his rear end, kind of like half on his rear end and half on his back. And I knew in that moment, like I saw him get up and I knew it hurt. You know, you, know, you can just tell that, that they're getting up and it hurts. And so I was sitting in the outfield with my older son and I just started praying for him kind of out loud. I was like, Lord, would you please help him? You know, I don't even remember now exactly what I prayed, but I was just praying for him out loud. Had I been surrounded by another group of people, I'm not sure I would have done it as as out loud and verbally, but it was just me and and my older son. And, and so we prayed for him. And, and then after it was kind of all over, I looked at my older son and I said, you know, I do that for you all the time, right? Like, do you know that I, that I literally am praying for you off and on throughout the whole day? I'm praying for you when you're playing football. I'm praying for you when you're getting up to bat. I'm praying for you before you're taking your quiz. I'm praying for you before this, that, and the other, off and on throughout the entire day, in the, all the rhythms and ups and downs of your days, I'm praying for you. Did you know I'm doing that? And he was like, well, I guess on some level, I kind of knew you were doing that, but maybe not to that extent. And so it was this, this teachable moment where I could say to him, you know, I've got you in this. Like, I, I can't control everything that is going to happen in your life, but I want you to know that you're covered and I have you in this. And so it was a neat moment where, where another teachable moment where we could share some of those things with him. And I find often that life just provides us with the rhythms that we need to be able to teach our kids if we'll just open our eyes and see them. So um, this has been such a great conversation. Hannah, before we go, would you share one tip for giving your, for growing your prayer life that has worked for you? What's one thing that our, our readers can take away? Well, this is going to be probably a little um, ironic or I find because so often we're in places of um, trying to do it on our own or because we rely on our sense of dependence, that it's easy to skip prayer. And so one of the things that I have relied on um, in the last few years, particularly, is working through structured prayers, um, maybe borrowing um, prayers that have been around for the church for a long time, whether it's the Book of Common Prayer or prayers that other people have written, whether it's the Psalms, just because I've reached the point where I can't rely on my own capacity to even show up to prayer when I need to. 
Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Million Praying Moms. You can connect with other praying women by following us on Instagram at Million Praying Moms or by visiting our website where you'll find tools to guide you as a praying mom like our monthly scripture-inspired prayer calendars. Yours for only $5 a month when you become a patron of Million Praying Moms. If you love this podcast and want to be a part of making sure it sticks around and reaches other moms with the message that prayer is not a last resort, but the first and best response to motherhood, consider joining our Patreon family. There are options for everyone, including our $5 a month prayer calendar option, Perfect for both the beginner and seasoned praying mom who wants to pray God's word for her children. Depending upon your needs, you can get access to our classes, courses, podcast scripts, discussion questions for each podcast, and even vote on certain aspects related to the ministry of Million Praying Moms. And I also have a free gift for you too. Download your free copy of my resource, How to Pray God's Word for Your Children, when you subscribe to the podcast. It's a step-by-step guide for how to get started praying the scriptures for yourself and your family. If you love this podcast, would you help us reach more moms with our message by leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts? We sure would appreciate it. Find all the links you need at millionprayingmoms.com. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.